surprising deliverance in this story. There's a deliverance of literally a fish swallowing him and then spitting him out on dry land. So there's surprising awareness, surprising deliverance that God does in Jonah's life. And to wrap up, there's a surprising hero in the story. Because um, what we're going to see in this story is we don't just need to be woken up to the fact that we're on the wrong path. We don't just need to be put back on the right path. What we're going to be reminded of in this story is we actually need a hero to carry us home on the right path. We need all three. And God alone does that in Jonah's life, and God alone can do that and does that in our own lives. As I was preparing this this week, I was reminded of a story in my own life that uh, really made me relate a lot to this story of Jonah. Particularly this, uh, this second chapter. And maybe some of you can relate to this story in different ways, in different, uh, different scenarios, but the heart of it, I think maybe a lot of you can relate to. There was a time I was in college and I was working uh, in Portsmouth. And, um, and it was a time where I'd been a Christian for a little over a year. But, but all of a sudden, the allure of the world, the allure of being a college student, uh, the allure of being young and free and, and careless, uh, really grabbed me again in a pretty significant way. Uh, I'd been following Jesus, but uh, there were parts of it that were good, but there were parts of it that were hard. Um, I was giving up certain things. I was having to say no to certain things that before I didn't even really think about. And I was in this process of deciding, okay, I actually think I want to try the world again. Um, maybe Christianity really is for old ladies, like I used to think. Maybe it's not for young men who want to do all these things and have all these experiences. Maybe it is a boring way to live. Maybe it is going to sap all of my joy, all of my fun. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe when I'm older. Th these were the things that I was wrestling with during that time, and I was beginning to go down the wrong path. These thoughts turned into actions, and my wandering, like Jonah in a different way, became pretty extreme. Um, it got to the point that I was no longer connecting with Christians. If that happens in your own life, you're on the wrong path. Uh, that was starting to happen to me. I wasn't going to church. wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I wasn't repenting of sin. My heart was getting hardened to the things of God. I was drinking again. I was making bad choices again. I was only caring about myself again. I was, I was going back. I was going to Tarshish instead of Nineveh in my life, in my walk with Jesus. And one morning, before work, I was sitting in this coffee shop, and I wasn't reading my Bible in the coffee shop, if you're wondering. I was, I was reading something else. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was feeling like I was happy and 
fulfilled and having fun and some people liked me and um, I wasn't feeling guilty anymore about things I was doing that were wrong. I was, I was feeling light. I was feeling free. Feeling like I was kind of maybe on the, r- r- the right path when I actually was on the wrong path. So I'm sitting in this coffee shop and it's a fairly large coffee shop as I remembered it. And it was completely empty except for me in, in the back corner uh, having coffee and a, and a breakfast. And I had, I had walked down Portsmouth many, many times that summer and there were uh, a handful, if you guys have been down there, of people, um, you know, I don't know their situation, but, but they, it looks like a community of people who, you know, may be homeless or, or struggling, um, some mental health issues, different things going on, um, and, uh, and I would walk by them a lot and talk with them a little bit. But one day, as I was sitting in this coffee shop, this guy walked in, who I'd never seen in that community, and I'd never seen him before in general. But he was pretty disheveled. He didn't seem clean. His hair was all messed up. He had rags on, basically, for clothes. And he was breathing really heavy. He walked into the coffee shop, and I remember watching him. And um, he walked in the store, and then he didn't go to the counter to buy something. Uh, He started walking back toward me. And so he's literally approaching me, and I'm getting really uncomfortable. And so I put my head down, as New Englanders do, and... um, He keeps coming, and inside I'm thinking, there are about 47 empty seats in here, and you're coming right for me. Could you please choose another seat, maybe one over there? Well, instead of the seat over there, he comes and sits right next to me. There's a, I'm at a table, there's a chair here, a chair here. He pulls up that chair and sits down. I am extremely uncomfortable at this point. He's breathing really heavy. He, it, there's a, a pretty intense smell. And he's, and he's staring at me. And I, you, know, you can sense when someone's staring at you. And so finally I get up the courage to look at him. And I looked, and I'll never forget his eyes. They were uh, very light. Um, they're almost radiant. And he was staring at me, and and my eyes met his. And it was this really interesting moment of connection with someone. And through his heavy breathing, he simply said to me, Keep the faith. And then he got out of his chair, left. And I never saw him again. Uh, that entire summer, and I've never seen him since. And yes, I do believe in the spiritual world. (laughs) Um, That moment was one of many uh, that God would use uh, to to bring me back uh, onto the right path of following him, uh, of being with him on the right path in life. And maybe your guys' stories aren't that dramatic. Um, Maybe they are. 
but regardless, I think all of us can relate to this idea that God intervenes in our life in significant ways to get us off the wrong path, get us back on the right path, but then carry us safely home. And this morning, we're going to look at First, the surprising awareness that we see in Jonah and that we we see in our own lives. And it comes in verse 9. And remember, Jonah was was defiantly running away from God and God's call and God's presence in the complete opposite direction of where he was supposed to go, where God was leading him. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden, the lights go on for Jonah. He realizes that He's actually not doing the right thing. He's actually not heading on the right path in life. And he says in verse 9, But I will offer sacrifices to you, and I will fulfill all my vows, knowing that he wasn't actually fulfilling those things with his current trajectory. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So somewhere in that interaction where he falls into the sea, the lights go on for him that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not heading down the right path in life. I'm rebelling. I'm in sin. The lights go on for him. I don't think it's Jonah just figuring that out through his own ability or through his own natural instinct. In fact, where did his natural instinct lead him in the first place? It did not lead him to the temple and to repentance and to worship and to follow God's voice. Where did it lead him? His natural knee-jerk reaction led him to Spain, the complete opposite direction. No, what we see in this story is somewhere in this, we don't see it clearly in this, but what we can assume is God revealed to him that he was on the wrong path. He convicted him. The Holy Spirit has a ministry in our own lives of conviction, doesn't he? It's not shame. It's not rage. It's not terror. The Holy Spirit has a ministry of conviction, of revealing in a gentle, consistent, persistent way, you are going on the wrong path, Brendan, Jonah. You're going on the wrong path, God needs to actually open our eyes to see that. I think all of us have stories of this in our own lives. For Jonah, his natural instinct, his natural eyes saw that the way he should go was opposite of what God wanted him to do. For me, my natural eyes, my natural sight thought, yeah, returning to the world and to the, the party scene and to what, the, what people around me tell me I need for happiness, that's the right path. That's my natural instinct is to go that way. What's our culture telling us right now? What's our cultural natural eyes that it sees and tells us we need to go this path for life? Well, there's a lot of them, but I think the one that presses us as a people most is the idea that you, as an individual, define your own sense of what's true. You define your own sense of core identity. No one else gets that to define that. No other authority structure gets to define that. No other historical precedent gets to define that. What defines that is the here and now of how you feel. 
what you want, what feels good, what feels natural. In all these cases, we see the fruit of that leads to bad things in our lives. For Jonah, the bad thing got him thrown off a ship. For me, it led to a lot of depression, regret, and anxiety over choices I made in that season, some of which I still deal with. I know many people who have bought that, what our culture says about finding true identity, true life on this path. I could tell you many stories of people who have found that wanting. People who have gone fully into that sense of, I get to define myself, and it has left them in devastation. Many people I know who've done that. How about for us? As you're listening, thinking of a time where you were going down the wrong path in your life, and all of a sudden, out of what felt like nowhere, you started to realize, I'm on the wrong path. I'm, I'm living for something that's not satisfying me. I'm destroying myself, actually. I'm, I'm making choices that are paralyzing me, killing me inside. No one knows, but I know. And what I would say is in those moments where all of a sudden the lights go on for you, like it did here for Jonah as he's in this fish, that is an unbelievable mercy of God. It is an unbelievable mercy. I think our tendency is to feel shame when we wake up to that reality that we're on the wrong path. Uh, to be embarrassed, to be full of regret, full of, 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 of anger at ourselves or hatred. But what I would like to propose is that actually in those moments where all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I am not on the path that God has designed for me. I am, on, I am like in left field. Um, that is the Holy Spirit uh, revealing to us something needs to change. That's the first step. But it can't end there as we see in the story of Jonah and as we see in our own lives. It's not just this surprising awareness that God gives us that we're on the wrong path. That's just step one. The next part that we all need and that Jonah needed was the surprising deliverance. So we see this awareness in Jonah and in our lives, but now we need God to deliver us. And how does he do that? Well, in this story, the way he does that, God could have kept him in the fish, but no, or he could have had the fish spit him out in the water, but that, he could have had Jonah repent in the fish. And most fish stay in the water, right? They don't hang out on the shore. Most fish would just spit him out where? Back into the water. And what would have happened to Jonah if that's where he had spit him out? It still would have produced a lot of fruit. Jonah's story still would have been one of repentance and offering these sacrifices, and maybe Jonah thought that's what would happen. He's going to, okay, I can't stay in here forever, and if he spits me back out, I'm in the same place I was. That, that, that would make sense to me. Um, but in this case, that's not what happened. It, it, God's mercy, God's surprise went further than even Jonah expected, and he spit him out onto the beach. He spit him out onto the beach, so there is a deliverance that happens, and we know from the story that immediately after this happens, Jonah goes to Nineveh and calls them to repentance. 
Um, the, in, in my case, um, the deliverance was getting back into Christian community, getting back into church, telling people what I had done. It was incredibly painful. Um, but it didn't just stop at my awareness that, that I was on the wrong path. It involved God actually moving me back into the right path. And here's where I think things get hard, oftentimes. I don't think a lot of our stories are as picturesque as a fish gently spitting us out onto a beautiful white sand beach in the Mediterranean, okay, where all of us want to be. Would anyone sign up for that deliverance? I probably would. No. What I find in life and in Christian people I've known over many years, the deliverance we have and experience from God, once he shows us, okay, there's a surprising awareness, I'm on the wrong path, well, the surprising deliverance that happens in our own lives to actually get us back on the right path, oftentimes that process is painful. And I think this is where we really need one another as we walk the the path following Jesus. I think he uses things in significant ways um, because I don't think for a lot of us a simple prodding would get us on the right path. (laughs) The picture is God just kind of poking us. All right, get back on the right path. I've shown you you're on the wrong one. Here, you know, a little bit in the back. Your kids ever do that to you? They poke you and they want something on your back. And it's annoying. It doesn't hurt that much, but but it, and it doesn't really accomplish things usually. And I think for us as people, we would rather God prod us back onto the right path in life. It'd be easier. Okay, Brendan, just go that way. No, I think sometimes he has to literally uproot our lives from the wrong path onto the right path. I think he, he has to actually uproot us. C.S. Lewis talks about the idea that God, pain is like a megaphone to us in our lives. That that in pain, in struggle, in suffering, in questions, in the unknown, God speaks to us in a much louder way. And oftentimes for us to actually get on the right path, there needs to be a major shakeup in our lives. So let me give you a few examples How about our health? Our health fails us. Maybe it's physical health. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's chronic pain. Maybe it's an illness that's um, hard to discover, hard to figure out what it is. Um, And in the early stages of it, there was a lot of fear, a lot of concern. But but as you live with it. And maybe God takes it away, but maybe he doesn't. As you live with it over time, you start to realize, you know what? I know many people who've experienced this in these different ways with physical things, physical health. They start to realize, actually, this is a mercy of God. This is one way that he keeps me on the right path. Because I real, I, I've learned so many things through this. Th- this life is not all there is. Um, you know, th- this life is, is not where I should put my ultimate hope. Um, 
you know, I, my eyes are now fixed on heaven more than they ever were because of this physical pain. What about our finances? Um, we, we've lived for the good life, the, the nice home, the nice vacations, but maybe we've gone through a really hard season. We've lost a job, we've, you know, our money, the stock market isn't doing well or whatever it is. Uh, we, we can't work for a season and our finances start to fail us. Um, I know a lot of people who've gone through things like this and all of a sudden they're, uh, a humility starts to develop in us when all of a sudden we realize, you know, when I was rich, I felt pretty okay. I felt pretty safe. I felt pretty self-reliant, self-sufficient, but now I need people. I need God, ultimately. I think God uses things like that to get us literally back on the right path. What about marriage or family relationships? We have a marriage that goes wrong. Um, it's so easy to put our hope in a strong, good marriage, but, but what happens when it doesn't deliver the way we hoped it would? Um, I think God, and I've, I've known many examples of this too, where God uses that in someone's life to say, this relationship with someone else is not our ultimate foundation for life. It's not, it's not the end all of what life is about. There's so much more to life, to eternal life, than marriage or a, a relationship with a child or a relationship with a friend or a relationship with a parent that goes wrong. God can use these things. Again, in this, in this case, as these really hard things come into our lives, um, the death of a loved one, uh, it's so easy to turn those significant moments into a reason to be mad at God, a reason to be angry, uh, angry with him, angry with Christians, angry with the church, whatever it is. Um, but what I would say this morning is, like we see in Jonah, like we see in our own lives, I think this is another example of incredible mercy from God when these really hard things come into our life. I think it's, it's, it's his tenderness towards us because, again, I don't think prodding works with most of us. I think we need an upheaval in many cases. And it's worth it. If these things get us on the right path, if God uses these things to get us on the right path of following him, it's worth it. It really is. Think of the alternative. There's no significant event and you're happy-go-lucky, but you're on the wrong path. And where that leads to destruction, that's, that's not the right path to be on in life. So, again, another example of God's mercy. But once we're on the right path, once God gets us on the right path, like he did Jonah, so now Jonah is, is heading towards Nineveh. He's been delivered. You know, maybe for us, we were on the wrong path and we realize that, oh my gosh, I've left God behind in this area. We turn from that. We say, okay, God, you've upheaved my life in many ways and I see that following you is what I want to do. Um, if any of us have walked with Jesus for more than a month, we know that just getting on the right path is not the end of the story, is it? Uh, Jonah just, just getting off to the beach is not the end of the story. Um, there, there's more to it. And the last part is we need a hero that will carry us all the way home on the right path. We, we need him to be with us 
throughout the entire journey home. And what we see in Jonah is that Jonah is not the hero that we need from this story, or even that this story really points to. You see this awesome repentance from Jonah in chapter 2 where he's in this fish and he says, I'm going to fulfill my vows. I'm going to go back to the temple with the posture of my heart. But then he ends in chapter 4 with incredible anger that God spared the city. And that's how the story ends. There's no like really cool redemptive thing there um, where Jonah realized again how silly he was. It just ends. And God says, shouldn't I have mercy on all these people? 120,000 people, shouldn't I have mercy on them? And then the story ends. So the goal is not, or the person that we're trying to emulate necessarily is not Jonah or the one we need to rely on because he didn't get it right in the end. Uh, we need someone who will, who will go all the way. And who is that person? Well, I think you guys probably know. In Matthew 12, 40 through 41, I don't have this up. Um, I'm just going to read it quick. Jesus is talking about the story of Jonah, actually. And he says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here. But you refuse to repent. Jesus is using the story of Jonah that we just read, actually, to point to himself. And he is saying, I am the better Jonah, essentially. I am someone greater than Jonah is here. Why? Well, what Jonah, what, what Jonah accomplished in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights was a repentance for one of his sins, the sin of running to Tarshish. He repented of that, but he's going to have to repent again for being really angry that God saved 120,000 souls. So repentance is going to have to continue to be accomplished in Jonah's life. It, the end of the story didn't end in the belly of the fish. Jonah's got a lot of work to do moving forward in his life. But what, what did Jesus accomplish when he was in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights? We know that before he was in the, the earth for three days and three nights, uh, that he also walked up a path but it was a path to Calvary, carrying the cross. And on the cross, not only Jonah's sin, but everyone in this room, all of our sin, and not just one sin, not just, not just the sin that we regret from, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we maybe were on the wrong path, or maybe it's right now we're on the wrong path, and there's certain sins that we're feeling really guilty about. No, far more than that. The sin of all the world for all time. One sacrifice Jesus paid. He took every single thing we have done and haven't done and should have done. 
all the unmerciful heart we have, all the things that we should have done and, and, and the fruit we should have given in our lives. He took it on himself and died. And when he rose from the dead after the third day, he invites every one of us to follow him on the path. Except it's a narrow path. He tells us the way is hard. But he promises not just that we would follow him on the path, he promises to be with us every step of the way. In a sense, he promises to carry us along the narrow path, the right path, the good path of life. The question for us this morning um, is, are we going to trust him, uh, knowing that he is the better Jonah, knowing that he had enough mercy in his character to not just take one of our sins on the cross, but to take all of our sin, every sin we've ever done, ever are doing, ever will do, he's taken onto himself. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He didn't want us to stay on the wrong path. He didn't want us to stay rebelling from him or in our sin. He wanted us to be on the right path with him. And not just for this life, but for all eternity. So I encourage each of us this morning and plead with us that we learn to trust him. That we learn to see that he is the better Jonah who will actually not just awaken us to our misways, not only get us on the right path, but he'll be the one to safely carry us home. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning.